Hello and welcome. This is the Filmmakers Podcast. I am Giles Alderson. I'm a writer, director and a producer and I have some exciting news about The Dare. Oh yeah, my feature film, The Dare. You might have heard of that. Um, if you listen to this podcast for sure. And I can't tell you right now. But we will be able to announce that real soon. So stay tuned for that. Exciting. Ah, super excited. Um, but you are listening to the Filmmakers Podcast where we talk filmmaking. From indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them and how to try not to F it up. In our very, very humble opinion. Today, it is absolutely raining like hell in London town. It's practically thundering here. In fact, it is thundering. So wherever you are, I hope you're wrapped up warm because on this cold Monday night, I'm in my office in my loft, shivering away. But anyway, enough of that. I'm so excited about this week's podcast, which is with Bert Marcus. I've been trying to get Bert on for a while. And Bert is a fantastic filmmaker. I'll tell you a bit about him. But coming up, I'm going to tell you about the Make Your Film event. Oh, we have a new date, we have a new venue, and we have a new sponsor. All that coming up in a second. So myself and Bert, we sat down and we chatted about how he started as an exec producer on the Val Kilmer starring Columbus Day. And how to use a documentary form as an accessible lower budget start. Which he used to make the Adrian Grenier uh, from Entourage, uh, his documentary Teenage Paparazzo. And then the doc, How to Make Money Selling Drugs, starring Woody Harrelson, Eminem, 50 Cent, to name just a few. Uh, we chat about how to create a track record of good, solid work, how pitching unique views on each project, selling on concepts, selling on characters, really works. And how he made his directorial debut, Boxing Doc Champs, starring Mike Tyson. Yes, the Mike Tyson. We chat documentary work versus fiction, different approaches, his future ambitions, and his latest film, America Meme, which is about the oversaturation of social media and following key influencers like Paris Hilton around. It is amazing. It got into the Tribeca Film Festival last year, and it has been acquired by Netflix. And you, lucky people, can go watch it now. Oh, there was so much to learn from Bert. It was amazing and so much fun to chat to him. So I can't wait for you lot to listen to that. But first, let me tell you about the Make Your Film event. Oh, yeah. It is the fourth one. Oh, God, the rain's getting heavy. Can you hear that? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it's the fourth one of uh, the Make Your Film events, uh, panel events that we have done. And we have an amazing first guest for you. But let me tell you about the venue. We have a brand new venue. And we're hoping it's going to be our home from now on. Some of you might know it. It is called Theatre Delhi, And it is in London near Old Street, near Liverpool Street. And it is really cool. They've got food there. They've got beers there. It saves me and Dom having to drag boxes of beers from Tesco's. Uh, and drinks for you. Let me tell you the date. July the 9th. And you know about a make film event. If you don't know about a make film event... It's basically this podcast, but in live form, where you can ask questions. It is sitting with a panel of people who tell you firsthand what it was like to make films and how you can do it too. You don't want to miss this. It's networking. It's being there. It's being part of the system and being part of the team, saying hello and getting to know us and we getting to know you and meeting people. Because you always meet amazing people at these, these events, not just ours, but many. Get to as many as you can. 
But why not come to ours on the 9th of July? Uh, and it is Theatre Delhi, like I say. And our guest. Yeah, let me get to our guest. Okay, so obviously there's myself and Dom. Uh, we'll be hosting and chatting our usual shit and spiel. But our first guest, not only directed mother father son on tv recently some of you might know who he is already um which is an amazing series if you've not seen it mother father son it is brilliant he's also worked with kieran knightley and alexander skarsgård recently on the aftermath he's also the director of his debut film testament of youth starring alicia vikander taron edgerton and kit harrington of course it is the wonderful james kent He's not only a brilliant director, but he's also a wonderful, warm, fun guy. So you can get loads out of him. He's going to be dropping knowledge bombs all over the place. And it's going to be <sighs> fantastic. So that's our first guest, July the 9th. Link is in the show notes, but you can always go to eventbrite.com. I imagine forward slash slash make your film or just search uh, make your film event right but all the links will be in the show notes and myself and Don will be promoting the shit out of it I imagine for the next couple of weeks uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing you there do come down do join us okay I'm delighted to tell you our sponsors this week are the fantastic the tracking board uh, featuring the Launchpad screenwriting competitions. And the Launchpad competitions are the industry's most effective writing competitions. To date, over 400 writers have signed with managers and agents through Launchpad's annual competitions. Over 100 screenplays have been options or purchased, and six Launchpad-winning screenplays have started bidding wars amongst the major studios. Learn more at tblaunchpad.com and consider joining the tracking board as a member to get real-time access to the tracking board's industry tracking. Um, The tracking board covers spec screenplay sales for Hollywood industry news and jobs. And you can learn more at tracking-board.com. All the links for that are in the show notes. But do go support. They're our sponsors. If you like this podcast in any way, do support us and do support them. Click on the link. Go have a look at what they're doing. Tracking-board.com. Amazing. Thank you, guys. And thank you for listening. Thank you for your comments last week. I cannot say how delighted we are to get those uh, and all how you feel about this podcast and what you like about it. And I really appreciate that. Speaking of which, let's give some shout-outs this week for those who gave so much love to us. Oliver Cunliffe, uh, Jeff Wolfenden, Keo Millennium, uh, Mark Mansfield, Tiago Teixeira. He's got a Kickstarter right now called Dog Skin. It might be the last day tomorrow. Go check that out on Kickstarter. Go support him. Uh, Christian at Genera. Um, Tatum, 98% podcast. Oh, now this is an acting podcast. Alexa Morden runs with her friend. It's called the 98% podcast. It's for actors. So any actors out there, go listen to these two girls. It is a wonderful podcast. Um, Maxwell Cavanham and Sarah Thomas. Thank you for all your love. Uh, And anyone who does like this podcast, do tell your friends. That's how we survive. That's how we keep going is your wonderful support. Um, Pass it on. Let your friends know about this podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star review there if you fancy it. Really appreciate that. You can find us on the Podfix Network or BritPods. Wherever you get your podcasts, subscribe to us. Send out the love. Okay, so before we get to this podcast with the wonderful Bert Marcus, Eleonora from Raindance uh, has some exciting news. 
You can get unrivaled access to the UK's largest independent film festival, uh, which showcases the best in short speeches, documentaries, music videos, uh, web series, um, and VR from around the world. You can buy a Raindance Film Festival pass and get 20% off. All you have to do is enter Podcast 20 at the checkout. Uh, the link for that is in the show notes. So if you're going to rain dance, I can give you 20% off. We can do that at the Filmmakers Podcast because we are lovely and we want to support filmmakers like yourself. So that is our rain dance offer this week 20% off the Rain Dance Film Festival. Why not uh, make the most of that? Okay, let's get to it. This is the delightful interview with Bert Marcus and myself. Um, and I can't wait for you to hear it. So why not get to that? Right, I'm going to stop talking. Um, enjoy this week's Filmmakers Podcast. It is my absolute delight to welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast, Bert Marcus. How are you doing, buddy? You all right? Oh, I'm great, man. Just happy to be here. Yeah, I'm happy to have you. Where are you now? Are you, um, are you on the West Coast? Is it warm? Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, it's not too warm. It's it's actually cold for LA, but I'm in LA. All right, cool. So I was there recently and it was, it was raining pretty much every day I was there. And apparently that's an unusual for LA, so always a joy. Yeah, LA is definitely the place you want to have some good weather. But uh, yeah, it's the, been the most rain we've had in quite some time. So let's talk about you. Let's talk about your beginning then, because obviously this is a podcast all about filmmaking and how people can go about making films and um, inspire them to do so. Um, so let's start at your beginning. I mean, obviously your first film was Columbus Day, which you exec produced. But what was your beginning before that? How did you how did you actually start becoming or wanting to become a filmmaker? Um, actually, you know, my background was in radio. I worked in radio for a number of years, all through high school and college. I can tell your voice is, it's voice for radio, my friend. You're too kind. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, so I started in radio between high school, college, um, and then my early twenties. I attended USC here in, in LA and always had a passion for storytelling and for, for film and, and music, obviously. And I, I always tried to figure an interesting way that I could merge them all. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it, but I always enjoyed telling important stories. And, you know, when I finished college, one of the most important things in telling those important stories was how do I put together a company that can make important films and execute them, hopefully at the highest levels and make them in a way where they're, you know, can be critically acclaimed, but also commercially viable and reach that broad audience. And we started in the documentary world my first real film that I really worked on was Teenage Paparazzo. So that was the film I produced straight out of college, really. And we took that to Sundance. And well, that was Adrian Grenier as well, right? I mean, he's, you know, the big star. It's uh, really good to work with him, right? Yeah, it was a great experience. And it was kind of my first entree into, um, you know, the documentary world. And it was, you know, it's so different than feature films. And it was a fascinating learning curve and something that, uh, you know, was a, a important story about a 12 year old paparazzi kid who essentially was trying to become famous by taking pictures of famous people. It was the ultimate paradox. And yeah. since then, you know, we really tried to put together a, a fund that could hopefully tell these important stories and, and create a slate in a way in which to execute kind of fascinating stories that I wanted to see myself. So how did you even go about getting from, you know, pretty much out of college university, suddenly you're making a film with the lead from Entourage, Adrian Grenier, and you've, you've got Matt Damon in it and you've got, you know, all these big people in it. How did that come about? How did that step actually happen? Honestly, like pretty organically. I mean, a lot of the, the films that we did, you know, my, 
the, the slate of projects that we did all kind of happened because they were topics I was just genuinely fascinated by. And because of that, a lot of people that were sharing kind of those wanting to explore those topics in, in depth with me and wanting to make them in ways that were hopefully very original and unique, you know, I was able to kind of meet and team up with and, and it was really just finding like-minded people who want to make, you know, specific types of projects. And, you know, they're not easy to make. And I think the first one that we did, it was really, a, you know, a lot of learning curves and hustling and, and trying to gather all our resources and figure out who knew who. And, you know, documentaries are very day to day, you know, everything changes because there is no script, so to speak. Yeah. You can, you can script things out, yes. but the world changes constantly and the subjects change. And so you need to stay true to that and, and really be willing to constantly evolve with it. Got you. That makes total sense. Yeah, I'm, I've made a documentary before and I'm making one right now and it's, yeah, you, you never know what's happening. It's constantly evolving and changing even though you can have a set idea of what you want your story to be, it, it opens up, right? And I imagine that happened on Teenage Paparazzo quite a bit in terms of the young kid. Every film, because you want to, mm. the way in which you have the best films is staying open to that. I don't think I ever come into a film, um, you know, we've done a movie called How to Make Money Selling Drugs, a movie Champs, a movie yeah. What We yeah. Started. We've done uh, The American Meme. Um, and then I have like four or five new projects. And I think for each of these projects, the important thing is always to stay very open-minded. And for me, that's always a goal. I try not to come in with completely preconceived notions or coming in with, Hey, this is the way I, and the way in which I want to do this film. I try to, uh, to me, I think the best way to get the best product is to be open-minded and let things happen naturally. Cause those are usually the most fascinating ways in which to tell a story. How I want to tell the story is maybe something that, you know, is unique and original. And we definitely come in with that in mind, but not necessarily a point of view that is so strong that if throughout the process that changes for me, I want it to play out naturally within the film and for the audience. And, and for our films, one of the most important things to me is making sure the audience can make up their own decisions. And we aren't coming in with, such harsh judgments beforehand. So I try to choose subject matters I don't even know that much about to begin with because I like to really explore them okay. and, and not, you know, impose my opinion on everybody. I like to share what I've learned with everybody in a fascinating, unique, original way. But I, ultimately, I want the audience to, you know, to re realize how it impacts them, whatever subject matter and whatever movie they're watching and, and hopefully it strikes a nerve with them in a unique way and they can make their own decision that's fascinating yeah we i had that with my first one a world of darkness which is a documentary i directed with kevin lee and we kind of knew the story a bit it, because it was the story of that company up and down but what happened during that was amazing because you had different voices coming in and telling you a different part and it changed from what we originally set out but whereas with the new one i'm doing now food for thought we already have our sort of story in mind so i'm fascinated by how you're going okay no i just want to tell this particular story i, I don't know really what my uh, opinion is on it yet or i might not give that opinion so how in that case when you're pitching to your investors or to your your like you say the fund that you set up to say i want to make this documentary but I don't know the story yet or the ins and outs. For people listening, how do you go about trying to pitch something where you're not really sure of sort of the beginning, let alone the middle and end? Well, I think I definitely have an idea. Like I said, the way in which I want to tell a story is the most important thing to me. So I always try to come yeah. up with a unique way in which to tell a story. So I think I pitch 
the concept of this is the subject matter I'm tackling. And this is the, this is, these are the vehicles that I'm going to use in this, in this world. These are the characters. This is the types of stories. This is the way in which I'm looking to explore these topics. So yeah, I de- I definitely don't know how it's going to play out and how it plays out is real. And I think that's what makes the film special. Just, proving to people and um, investors and, and making things at a price point that make a lot of sense and starting small and very simple and basic, which is how I began. Everything is, is the way to go. At least for me, that was the best thing to do is create a track record with people who believe in you and trust, but also then, you know, you can prove your worth to them and make things that are profitable and make things that are impactful and important and, you know, and, and very entertaining because at the end of the day, that's our goal is to make something that's extremely fascinating, entertaining and unique and original. And I think in pitching, the biggest thing that I try to pitch is, you know, my unique point of view. It doesn't necessarily have to be, this is my take on that subject, but this is, this is the way in which I want to tell the story. For instance, Teenage Paparazzo, yeah, yeah. you're watching yeah. it through a 12 year old's eyes. You're watching. So I don't know how it's going to play out, but we did know, wow, you're going to watch this through a, a 12 year old who's dropped out of school to become a paparazzi, which at that time was, you know, kind of booming, but right before social media really took off in how to make money mm-hmm. selling drugs. We kind of pitched it like, Hey, we're, we have this how to guide. It's literally a cliff notes version. And from champs, it was, how do we see this, this idea of a fighter and, 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 what they go through and and the fact that fighting is the one thing that saves their life, but it's also the, it's the thing that ends up ruining their life. Those were kind of the concepts that we look to explore. So I sell them on concept and I sell them on characters. And I think characters are the most important. And what we started, our two lead protagonists are Carl Cox and Martin Garrix, two polar opposite people. And if you're not familiar with electronic dance music world, it's probably the most equivalent to having like Justin Bieber and Bruce Springsteen in a movie together. I hear you. You know, two polar opposite people in a genre who you would never expect to see together and interweaving their, their, their stories and trajectories through a 30 year history of a music scene. And same thing with that, you know, how we wanted to tell the story was unique. The way I pitched it was we're going to take two polar opposite characters like a a, a Bieber meets Springsteen of this genre we're going to intertwine them. We're going to tell the story in a nonlinear fashion so that for people who aren't necessarily into electronic dance music, they're not just watching a history lesson on this music. They're watching something that's mm-hmm. entertaining, that's constantly moving, that throws them for loops, that is definitely unexpected and unique and original. That's what I always look for. Amazing. Because what we started is fantastic. I, I was a DJ back in my day and yeah, electronic music was maybe, I was more classic house and clubhouse, but yeah. Uh, EDM was still, I knew what it was, and Carl Cox is a massive DJ in that world. And it's fascinating documentary, so much fun. When you're going about doing this then, how do you even set up to go, okay, how am I going to get from A to B? How am I going to do this? Do you say, let's do the interviews first and then try and weave the story around that? Or do you set up your shots first? Tell us how it works in in your mind. I know, I imagine it changes every time, but still, it'd be interesting. I mean, listen, it's a constant adventure, and that's one of the challenges that I love about making these types of films. It's it's always mm. different, it's always unique, and depending on who you're working with and what the subject matter is, it's 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 changing. I think typically what we like to do is when, when I know which subject matters or which kind of characters we're looking to explore. 
I like to sit down and have like a very, you know, in-depth conversation, you know, shoot it in ways where we're really capturing their feelings, getting them in, in, a, in, a, in a vulnerable state and people that can really open up. So I like to have a few interviews to establish that trust with the characters and have them understand, you know, this is how we're looking to explore this topic. And we want it to be real and we want it to resonate with people in all walks of life. And so I think doing the sit down interview part is probably the first step. Obviously, we do multiple interviews. And for me, I don't like making movies that have talking heads. And for me, as a filmmaker, the most important thing is creating those experiences for people where they're able to watch a film and be immersed in this world. I think the first thing is, you know, setting up those interviews and learning more about the person so that we can figure out, okay, what do we want to follow? And how, you know, what, what are things that we thought we knew, but we don't know? And what are ways in which we can, you know, follow up with these guys in, in a way where people would just be jaw dropped on the ground? Because I love those moments where you just as an audience member have no clue what to expect next. And you're really thrown off. And also, yeah. like I said, you turn on this movie and you're immersed in experiencing things that you never thought you could. I love that. So obviously the first uh, Teenage Paparazzo and How to Make Money Selling Drugs were the two that you produced. Now, the first one that you directed and produced and wrote was Champs. Uh, this is this wonderful in-depth into the boxing world. And it, it, it also does what you just said. It takes that lovely twist. It takes that what you think is going to be a, a really nice HBO documentary. Suddenly goes, oh, no, it's about this. Yeah, and again, you've got some massive names. You've worked with some huge names. But um, obviously, you know, in here, Evander Holyfield um, and Mike Tyson, who produced it with you. Again, how did it come about? Did you, first of all, before we get into it in a bit more depth, did you go pitch it to Mike? How did it happen? I, I knew Mike for a little bit. Good friend. I'm very close with him and his wife, and, and they're tremendous people. A lot of the stories that were being told were coming in with like these preconceived notions and then kind of pushing something to promote. And here we didn't really have anything to promote. What we wanted to do was have an outsider's point of view and look at the boxing world in general and the, this idea that we're all fighters and we're all we all have this battle and we all in life of of everything that we go through these guys have such fascinating stories because like i said before i mean this is the one thing that was able to take them out of their horrendous upbringings and situ and life situations but at the same time it was the one thing that ended up really taking them back in life and so it was kind of this sociological look at the boxing industry, but more importantly, through Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield, and Bernard Hopkins, three guys that came up at the exact same time, but had completely mm -hmm. and got involved in boxing for completely different reasons and different ways and have completely different trajectories, and the outcomes were completely different. And so we tried to interweave those stories in a way that, like I said, when we started the film, I couldn't have expected. We had a lot of fun with that project, and I took it to Mike originally because I knew Mike, he was a friend. He was very passionate about telling telling this story and sharing a side of himself, especially that he hadn't been able to do before, um, because his original film, they had filmed it nearly 10 years before we did this. And he had so many experiences between those 10 years. And mm. he also wanted to do something that wasn't so self-indulgent, that wasn't just a promotional thing about himself. It was really something that he could do with Evander and with with Bernard you know, three guys that are the exact, you know, the same age came up at the same time. But like I said, have completely different trajectories. And it was, it was really fascinating. And Mike was instrumental in helping me, you know, introducing me to a lot of these fighters. And he introduced me to Evander, he introduced me to Bernard, and was, uh, you know, a tremendous asset to the, to the film, which is why you see him as a producer. Really, he, he didn't even care about being a producer or care about those things. He just wanted to 
you know, share his story in a way in which he hadn't been able to before. He's a tremendous person and, and, you know, has been through more than probably anyone I've ever met. It it sounds like getting Mike to open up because you knew him a bit was okay. It's something you could do. How do you do it when it's someone you don't know? How do you get them to be honest and not go into publicity mode and, you know, and actually be themselves? Yeah, I mean, that's always a challenge, right? Because people have publicists and they have managers and they have agents. And, you know, a lot of these celebrities, like you said, they're, they're going into publicity mode when they're being filmed. The second the camera goes on, you know, a lot of people, their, yep. their demeanor changes, the way in which they sh- share and open up changes because they realize, listen, the camera's on and anybody could see this. This could be seen by hundreds of millions of people um, in many cases. And so I think the idea for me is coming in and, really trying to establish a rapport before we turn on the cameras, you know, having conversations, having coffees, like meeting the subjects, making sure that, that they have stories that I think we've never heard before, making sure they have these moments, you know, things going on in their life that you can't just Google and you can't just go on Google and say, Oh, I knew this about this person. To me, it's always when I make a film, I want to, I want to give new information. I want to have new information about a person. I want someone to share something they've never shared before. I want it to be unique and original. And the only way to do that is to really meet your subjects and be able to spend time with them and and really create that rapport with them before the cameras even turn on. So I think a lot of that's in pre-production so that by the time the cameras come on, you know, they're less in that publicity mode. And, And also I think the other thing is to establish real personal connection and relationships with them. That way, you know, agents and managers and all these people around who don't want for them to share their stories in the most unique, authentic ways, they're not as involved because now you have a rapport with the subject or the celebrity. They want to share and open up these things because most of these people want to share their stories. They just want to be able to trust the filmmaker they're working with and trust that you're going in a direction that um, that they understand. Even if it doesn't make them look the best at all times, I think most people do want to be authentic and real. They just want to make sure that it's not skewed and a filmmaker isn't altering the things they say. And I try to keep things as real and authentic as you possibly can, because I know that as an audience member, you can tell, and that's what we're providing mm-hmm. as uh, as filmmakers. Absolutely, and you do it so well. It's really nice. I imagine then that, that, that Mike managed to help you, or maybe you did this yourself, but in this documentary, Champs, you, you've also got Mark Wahlberg, you've got Spike Lee, you know, you've got Ron Howard, Denzel Washington, this amazing there's so many amazing people how did this come about how do you approach them how do you sit with them and talk to people like this in the documentary how does it happen well i think anytime you make a film you want to find people that are fascinating and and are personally impacted by the subject and in this case in in champs and you know even what we started you have guys like ed sheeran and usher and Mm. you know you're like oh well this is an electronic dance music movie what are these kinds of guys doing in it and the idea is to really like i said throw the audience for a loop for a little bit because i always love to surprise people but you know you want to find a subject that impacts very powerful people because i feel like when you see people that everybody knows and everybody admires or, you know, people have great regard for, and you see how that they're impacted personally, I think it really resonates with an audience in a, in a fascinating way. And you're able to kind of take a step back and realize, wow, this is, this is big. And I, I realize, I mean, in that case in champs, all those guys were personally affected by these fighters and boxers in their own way, whether it's be professionally and, and personally. And so I think what, what I try to do is look for people who have made films like in that case, like you said, Ron Howard had, you know, he made Cinderella man and you have 
Denzel Washington, who was in Hurricane, and you have Mark mm-hmm. Wahlberg, who obviously was up for an Oscar in The Fighter. And I think each of these guys, they, they made these boxing films because bo- these boxers and these stories have a significant impact on their life. And so I think in approaching them, it was really just explaining, you know, I wanted to have them open up about that. And it wasn't about, you know, we're not looking for quote unquote salacious, co- you know, content or, you know, these TMZ moments. What we're really looking for is these kind of, mm-hmm. yes, because it can be dark and it can be very personal. And I think that's what you want as a filmmaker is to provide those things. But you also want to create a comfort for high-level talent to understand that what we're looking to do is see how their Mm -hmm. life was impacted by the subject matter. And usually I look for passion. And all these people were so passionate about those films that they made and were so passionate about the sport. And it's very passionate about Mike Evander and Bernard in particular and the impact. Because a lot of those guys that we had in the film, they all grew up with them, including the likes of Mary J. Blige. I mean, these guys really looked up to these fighters. And when you realize kind of the hardships that they went through and, and you can start seeing that connection, that's where it gets kind of fascinating and it makes the subject so much bigger. And you really realize that the, the colossal impact that these individuals had and still have. It's incredible, really. Do you literally write to the agents or is it through someone you know, just so we know? Because for us, it's, it's kind of like, OK, that's right. You just got Denzel Washington in your documentary, you know. I get how that sounds, but it's. I think what, what we do, no, I, I typically try not to go through the agent route because I find that to be something problematic. as a yeah. filmmaker, they'll the, the hold, the hold people back. And if you do get them, they make it so that people can't really be candid with you. And so yeah. I try to go through, I mean, as a filmmaker, you go through, jump through every hoop and you are constantly challenging yourself on a daily basis. I find getting talent to be, it, it, it's a challenge every time because yes, you can't just call up, you know, big movie stars and just say, Hey, I want you to be in this documentary for free and, and mm-hmm. share really personal, intimate details. And they don't have anything to gain from it financially. You know, the only thing they know is that, they're passionate, they're passionate about the subject and they definitely want to talk about it. And it's something that they, that, that they're into personally, you know, even for, for every film that I do, that's, that's the goal. And so I try to find people who maybe know them and, you know, you, we jump through every hoop. I honestly, if there was a movie on how we came and, and got every person that's in every film, that would probably be the best, most entertaining film ever, because that's I'm really, sure. that's yeah. really where the entertaining stuff is, is how we, how every story is so different. Um, and, and obviously I have a, a background in radio and I was able to meet a lot of people in, in, in that realm. Um, and I knew them early on when they were pitching their music. So there's been a lot of overlapping, which has kind of been very unique and fortuitous and, you know, lucky. But also you're obviously a nice guy and you obviously care about what you do and people see that. And I think it's very important for our listeners to know that you, you kind of have to do that on your way up, you know, just be that nice person and bring people along with you. And then when you get to the time when you go, hey, uh, would you mind coming and doing this for me? People are much more likely to come and do it. Makes a big difference. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, and thank you for saying that. I think the big things is really that you just never know, like, what opportunity will lead to the next. And passion mm-hmm. is everything. And I think it doesn't matter what subject you're into, what profession you're into, what you want to do. I think you can make money and be successful and crush it at anything you want to do without sounding cliche if you're passionate. And it's very, very true. It sounds cliche, but it's very true. And I think yeah. once you once you have that passion, it's contagious and, and people can see it. And when you're pitching something and when you're talking to them about it and you want to get p- different people, whether it's investors or talent or distributors, 
on board on your project, if, if they sense that passion from, from the filmmaker, it's contagious and that they automatically get passionate about it and never take no, you know, I, I I'm told no all the time. I think that's another important thing yeah, for yeah. people to realize. It's, it's not like you just call these people and everyone's like, yeah, let me be in your movie. I, I think what you take, you just make sure that you're very tenacious and you're very persistent and you stay true to your instincts in the sense that people are going to say no and doubt you and criticize you and knock you down. And I've been told no a thousand times and, and, you make it happen by believing in, in, in yourself, in the project that you're yeah. doing, yeah. in the way in which you want to tell the story with great integrity. And uh, uh, to me, that tenacity is what really separates people who are able to get their films out there and not at times, because it isn't easy and it isn't easy for me. It, it's, it's every, everyone is a challenge. And I think the biggest thing that I try to do is, just make sure that I, I do it for the right reason. And I try to do it in a way that, you know, with the most integrity I can, and you know, you're going to have your naysayers and haters and, and that's just the way life is. And you have to just see past that and, and, and see your project through period and never take no ever. It's absolutely vital that even though people are saying, no, you've got to keep going because if you take all the no's and yeah, you stop doing it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if this is what you want to do, you can't, you can't give up. You can't, uh, accept that as a as an answer <laughs> i mean most people won't give you a no most people will just ignore you <laughs> but that's when you can keep going because i haven't said no yet <laughs> yeah and it isn't easy you just have to be the one to really believe in it because no one's going to believe in it for you and no one really believes in yeah. it until they see it no and then they suddenly call you back and then you get the calls oh i knew you were gonna do it and you're like you didn't <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you didn't i mean after me every then. project that always happens it's always people like yeah. who didn't want to be in the project or you know didn't get back to us who are now like oh like can we you know can we can we be a part of this now because they're seeing it now and, and that's and that makes sense yeah, too yeah. because you also need to you know prove yourself and prove you know create a track Very record true. of and a body of work that people can look up and associate with when you're pitching something now they kind of have a vision for okay he pitched this before you know we kind of saw that vision how he made that come to fruition and you know that's just part of the game and it, it makes the the business fascinating and it makes it you know obviously extremely challenging but that's part of the fun yeah you just have to really love it i think passion and really loving what you do is is the key to it if you don't this isn't the business for you in my opinion because it's just it gets very tough and you have to yep. ultimately love and believe in what you're doing. Yeah, you do. Because it gets really tough and you do have to believe in it 100%. But So what did you take from your first film, Champs, that you brought into what we started, your second film as a director? Did you What did you learnt that you went, oh, I'll try not to do that again? Because that's a lot of people who listen to this pod are first time filmmakers or they've made one and trying to make a second one. Um, so I think that's a, it's a really interesting topic for us. I think there were things that I compromised on creatively at times there were things that i think that i could have pushed myself a little bit further there were things where i kind of you know doubted the direction um at times and and was conflicted at times on on um what i wanted to do and i think in the next film i was a, a very clear and and became extremely decisive and and moved a lot quicker because uh, i always try to put a lot of thought into what i do and i try not to make a decision without putting great you know thought into every decision. And I think as a director, though, ultimately you have to just make that decision and not second guess yourself ever and really run with it. And I think my second, you know, project that I directed, I was a lot more decisive in that way. I like to be open to other ideas and open to 
uh, discussions and people who want to challenge your perspective, because I think that is ultimately how you get your best story. But I think that was the biggest thing I, I, I learned from the first one, which is to just really stay focused on, on what it is that I want to do and not budget times and really uh, stay true to myself. Absolutely. Take what you can from that first project and put it into the second one and learn from it and just, just, yeah, make it easier on yourself. I think I put so much pressure on myself on my first feature that I directed and I was so worried about it. And actually at the end of it, you kind of go, I didn't need to be so worried. It was, you would have been all right. So I know I'm bringing that into, I have already brought that into my second one, the third one. And, you know, you, it's just little things that you learn along the way, you know, when to eat. You worry about what sleep. people think and what you're going to say and critics say. And at the mm -hmm. end of the day, you can't do it for that reason. You need to make the film that you're going to make and believe in yourself as a filmmaker that you tell a story in a fascinating, unique way and run with it. You can't think of these other, other factors. And I think as you do more of them, less of those kind of outside influences have an effect on you. Yeah. Before we get to American Meme, and, and I suppose maybe it came afterwards, but you've also produced non-documentary fiction films as well with Ophelia and obviously Columbus Day back in the day as well. But And you're about to, human capital seems like it might be happening as well. So in terms of that, what's the difference for you then as a producer from, you know, making a documentary to making you know, a, a fiction based with actors film. Yeah. I mean, I've always, like I said, had a passion for storytelling and, and, and filmmaking. And, uh, we started in the doc space because it was something that, you know, they were made for lower price points and they were about subject matters that I thought were very important and characters that I wanted to share with the world and, and a unique vision of, of, and I like telling real stories. I think those are things that resonate mm. with people or things that are real. And things they know that are, you know, I think that's why even fiction films that are based on true stories, you know, really resonate and usually capture audiences in such impactful ways. Because people want what's real and what they can relate to and something that they they, they can say, wow, this, this is something I truly relate to on such a personal level. So the goal was always to do both. And so now that we've had such great success in the documentary space, um, we yeah. created a second fund that is just for... Uh, fiction, you know, narrative feature films, and mostly of the coming of age sort, very character driven. Um, and yeah, we have, uh, we have a film Ophelia that will be out um, that just got picked up by IFC, we took that to Sundance. Um, so we're really excited to get that out there in the world with Daisy Ridley and Naomi Watts and Clive Owen. Tom Felton and George McKay. Yeah. And Sebastian D'Souza, some brilliant English actors we know. Yeah. Great cast. And, and, and Daisy, you know, plays the, uh, the title character and is, is amazing. She obviously has Star Wars coming out this year, but we're excited to share Ophelia. I believe towards the end of July, it will be out. Um, that's what we're looking at right now. Um, trying to figure out the exact okay. dates. And, uh, yeah, we have a great theatrical release with IFC that we're, we're looking to do around the world. And the second project I have, I can't talk too much about because it will be premiering at the Cannes Film Festival, which I'm really excited about. That's super exciting. Human Capital is our third feature. And, uh, mm -hmm. that stars, stars Liev Schreiber and Peter Sarsgaard and Marissa Tomei and, uh, mm -hmm. is based on a true story as well. And, and off a, uh, a film that was actually came out, um, the Italian version came out in 2013 and won. I think 11 or 12 Italian Oscars, including Best Picture. And we got the rights to make the American version. And uh, we finished filming a few months ago and we're looking, uh, we're deep into the editing process and really, really happy with all the footage and acting performances are fascinating and the storylines are great. And 
um, you know, really looking to now really delve into the feature world. And, you know, we're going to continue with documentaries. And I have the Apollo mm-hmm. Theater documentary coming. Uh, we're the opening film of the Tribeca Film Festival in April. So that's exciting. Very exciting. Super. You know, lots going on. Just trying to keep them, keep them both going. And I think, you know, I love both, you know, and they both have their inherent, you know, challenges. And um, that's what makes mm-hmm. it so fun. And, and, you know, I'm just lucky and blessed I'm able to, to work on such great projects with so many fascinating and talented people. What's the difference then in your mind between the docs and a, you know, a fiction film in terms of, you know, structuring something like that, setting it up the actual filming side of it? Well, I think with docs, you just, you're, you're going on this constant adventure where every day is so different and you have no idea what's going to happen. And, you know, you're following people where you're not telling them to go do this, you know, A, B, and C. You're following them. It's real. It's, these are, they're, you're following their lives. You're, you're a fly on the wall in this, in this world that's, you haven't been maybe predisposed to. Whereas obviously in the feature world, you know, there's a script, there's a set script that you're following. There is, you know, you're hiring mm-hmm. actors, you know what you're going to be filming, you know what, what you're filming on each and every day. Um, you know, it's a lot more people involved, obviously in features and there's, those budgets are a lot higher and deals get a lot more complicated. And I think that's where, um, you start having the difference, but you know, once the creative process starts, you know, the the important thing to me is being, you know, very hands-on and that's me as a producer, it's, and director and writer. It's very important for me to be in the editing room, be on set, be talking to the talent, be talking to um, every person on every part of the film, because it's every part is so crucial. And there's so many great scripts that get botched. And I think it's crucial to me to execute at the highest level. And, and, you know, a lot of that surrounding yourself with great people that you're able to really build something special with. Yeah. And it's very exciting. Do you want to, um, direct fiction film yourself? Is that one of the steps forward for you? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. We have a couple that we're mm-hmm. developing right now that I'm, you know, writing, producing and, and we'll be directing. Good man. Are you looking forward to that? I mean, is that a different challenge for you? Uh, it is. I mean, even on some of the ones I produce, I, I, you know, I, I very involved from the beginning to end and have final cut on a lot of them. And, you know, uh, to me, mm-hmm. it's always, uh, I don't think it will be that different from what I've been doing because I feel like in a lot of senses, I've been doing a lot of that kind of work before. So mm-hmm. it just, um, you know, it's just, it's all about building and, and getting, you know, the experience and learning as much as possible. And every project's so different. I try to learn from every single one. Cause like you said before, I mean, there's so many challenges that come up on every project each and every day. And, you know, I think as a filmmaker, it's important to constantly keep your eyes open and to be open to, uh, different ideas and different people and, and, and constantly learning and challenging yourself in ways. So yeah, I'm excited to be able to share a lot of this new work over the next year. Yeah. I can't wait to see it. And I can't wait to see what you, uh, direct fiction wise, cause your documentary is amazing. Speaking of which, let's get to American meme because what a great documentary, just so, so interesting and so fascinating and so well made. And uh, it's on Netflix. Now you can go watch it if you have Netflix, obviously. Um, and I, I just, really enjoyed it did where did the idea come from if you tell our our listeners the idea and why why you thought this would make a good documentary which it does first of all thank you so much i mean i think my inspiration for the american meme really came simply from observing the people around me namely like this oversaturated nature and inescapable presence of social media in our daily lives and Mm. social media has evolved into a complex global phenomenon and it's really deeply rooted within our cultural di- uh, zeitgeist. You had Facebook, you have Instagram, you have Snapchat, we had Twitter, and people are all 
at these apps when you know they wait when they wake up in the morning it's the first thing they look at they scroll through them right before they're falling asleep and i knew i wanted to spark a dialogue on what the consequences of this infatuation with social media and these complicated questions that arise in the intersection of real life versus online presence so ultimately yeah. the documentary was meant to be very character driven and meant to undertake an examination of the humanity through each profiled subject social media influencer and and then their crafted personas so I wanted to explore this kind of broad spectrum of distinct influencers that amass these followings for completely unique reasons. And like I mentioned on the other films, I mean, I think what's fascinating is our four main protagonists, they all represent something symbolic and singular in our current world of social media, but they also all have gotten involved in social media for completely different reasons. And the mm. outcome on their life and on their careers is completely different. So, you know, luckily we were given this uninhibited access and we were able to get just these fascinating perspectives of characters that people already knew. And I think that was something else that was important is not finding random unknown people, but it was finding people that have heard of and know of and follow. The idea was to share with the audience these inner workings of this world in a really stark light because these guys really share, you know, a different side of themselves and express their vulnerabilities and, you know, revealing and often masked honesty. At the most fundamental level, it all comes down to, you know, the basic condition that we can all identify with, which is the urge and the desire to be loved. And I think that was, yeah. that was really the, the yeah. impetus of making a film like this. And I think we're at such an important time for a film like this, because like I said, it's in every aspect of our lives at this point. And I wanted to kind of come in with it in a non-judgmental way and really just let these stories play out. And as a filmmaker, just share these stories uh, without, you know, coming in with my preconceived notions or my own point of view to try to, you know, persuade an audience to think a certain way. And I think we're in, in the middle of a massive cultural shift in our, in our world. And this was yeah. just the perfect time to follow people like this. And like I said, be able to really see the inner workings of this. Um, I think audience members hopefully will be able to relate to a lot of these guys in completely different ways. And also hopefully it's an eye opener of where we're at in society and how we all play such a pivotal role in this. I agree. I agree. I think it's really interesting. It basically follows four, mainly four people, uh, Paris Hilton being one, uh, the fat Jewish another, Brittany Furlan and um, the slut whisperer as well, as well as, you know, you've got DJ Khaled in here, Dane Cook, you've got uh, Hayley Bieber now. You normally when you look at something like that and you see people constantly tweeting or constantly, but you're like, oh God, their life is just a social media. It must be really difficult. Huh? And then you actually watch this documentary and it, you had so much wonderful access and wonderful the way it was made. And you could really get to understand these people and understand why they were doing what they were doing or why they didn't want to do it anymore, why they changed tact. It's really interesting, the whole social media side of it uh, in this documentary. And it's really entertaining and i urge anyone to go watch this because you you'll un instantly understand how difficult it is if you are one of these people in this this is your job is to keep tweeting or to keep being on social media all the time and honestly that it's so hard work <laughs> it's, it's it looks so hard work it must have been fascinating to go around following them Oh, it was. And, you know, it was, it was amazing to have that access. And I think, you know, ultimately I think we're living in a society where people are so hard on themselves and judge themselves so harshly. And mm -hmm. w what was great about having access like this and, and having our characters be so open and raw and authentic and vulnerable was hopefully an audience will stop, you know, people will stop judging themselves so harshly and be able to 
you know, live a life where they're not comparing everything. Cause I think on these phones and, you know, every day we're just constantly comparing ourselves and just not feeling good enough and, and not feeling, you know, like we're doing enough. And I think it's important mm-hmm. to be able to kind of do your own thing and not constantly be comparing yourself. And, you know, hopefully the film was really able to shed light on those stuff. And, you know, really the idea was to really come up with something unique and original and delivered in a way in which it hadn't been before. And so, uh, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, people love it. I totally agree. It's unique. I love it. I think it's brilliant. Uh, I really enjoy it a lot. Um, did you go pitch to Netflix then? Did, would it be, did it become a Netflix original in the first place or did you sell it to them afterwards? How did you distribute it? I made the film that I opened the Tribeca Film Festival in 2018 and Netflix, you know, watched it at the opening screening and then contacted me to uh, acquire it as an original. Nice. Dealing with someone like that, is it difficult or is it quite easy in terms of contract side of things or is it not a problem? Uh, it wasn't a problem. I mean, they were great to work with and it, it's amazing to get your film out in one day to 192 countries, um, over 160 mm-hmm. million people. So, you know, it was a great honor to work with them and we had a great working relationship and, um, you know, no complaints. We're, we're just really blessed that it's been out there and people have received it so positively over the last few months. Absolutely. What advice can you give then someone, a filmmaker now going, okay, I want to go, I'm now inspired. I want to go make my documentary. Anything they could take away, anything that you could say, all right, think about this. I think it's all about, like I said, being original and coming up with, uh, you know, I feel like so many things have been explored and exhausted and subject matters that have, have, have been done and, you know, even ones that I've done. And I think the idea is how do you have your unique original take on it and how are you going to execute it in a way that's going to throw the audience and, and throw them for a loop and really be fascinating. And for me, it's always about a, a unique original storytelling. And I think as long as you stay true to that, you're golden. Oh, this has been fantastic. Thank you very much. So where can people follow you on the socials? Talking of social media, <laughs> where can people find you? Uh, just at Bert Marcus on Instagram. And your website as well, uh, BertMarcus.com. They can find you there. Fantastic. Yes, sir. Um, great. Please do. Please go follow Bert and uh, let him know that you've enjoyed this podcast and let him know that how much you enjoyed his films because you will. They, If you don't know Bert's work, you will after this and you will really enjoy his work. It's, it's a fantastic documentary filmmaker and I cannot wait to see your fiction stuff, mate. Honestly, I think I'm, I'm really excited for you for the future. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, it's going to be a big year. We're excited. Yeah, I am too. You can follow me at Giles Alderson. You can follow the podcast at Filmmakers Pod. You can find all our back catalogue of podcasts at filmmakerspodcast.com where we tell you all about making indie films from documentaries, TV and feature films. Um, remember, making a film is ridiculously hard but you can go out and do it and no matter how big you get remember you can bring that elevator back down to help others as well but marcus thank you very much thank you so much chat soon buddy chat soon take care everyone we will see you next tuesday for next week's podcast take care bye-bye this was a podcast from the pod fix network Check out more shows like it at oddfixnetwork.com.